tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club and this is your show. So a week on from our last podcast and a lot has happened. Manchester City were crowned champions without even playing on Saturday. They lifted the trophy on Sunday and by Wednesday they were playing a very entertaining dead rubber at Brighton's Amex Stadium. It's a bit difficult to know how to approach these games on today's Blue Moon podcast, but don't worry, we'll find a way. With two straightforward games, we're going to be taking the opportunity to pull out and look at the bigger picture. Why has City spoken about the way that they've been spoken about this week? Is it as simple as the charges brought by the Premier League or is there more to it? We'll also take a look at the turning points that brought City to their fifth title in six seasons. And there's the final day of the season at Brentford to preview as well. I'm David Mooney and joining me for this week's show, I've got two City fans. We're joined by Alan Phoenix-Bates. Howdy. And Liam Wright. How are we doing? I'm not too bad, thanks Liam, not too bad. Uh, Alan, are you well? I'm fine, I'm well, um, wildly overconfident as well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Liam, are you well? You've, uh, yes. you've, uh, you've had a long day, haven't you? You've, uh, you've just literally just got oh. back to Brighton, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I'm glad that the football, even though I've got a, a bit coming up over the next couple of weeks, I'm glad when it'll be all over, because, uh, yeah, a 10-hour round journey over the past 24 hours, it wasn't uh, yes. ideal, should we say. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> one. But um, it didn't, it, City didn't need to do anything this week, Liam, to, uh, to end up lifting the trophy, so uh, the pressure was off. Have you just been able to enjoy the football? Yeah, uh, definitely have been able to enjoy it, because it's, it feels like a very long time due to you know this season and last season as well. Um, you know how the, the, sort of the, the Premier League went. That it, it feels like such a long time since we've been able to go to a match and just enjoy it and just go for loving watching the team play and loving watching football. Um, you know, it, it basically feels since the, uh, the return to football from the pandemic, every game that you've been to matters. Um, so it was quite a nice break from that. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, let's start with the Chelsea game, Alan, because um, that one. I mean, having City having won the title on on the Saturday, um, Guardiola very much named aside that was. Uh, oh, we're, we're we're already champions, are we? Okay, then here we go. Have a, have a bit of this, and it was kind of a game to match, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was uh, that midfield was the midfield of um, I don't know. It's oh, that was that was a real tinkerer's midfield, wasn't it? I mean, it was just. Oh. Calvin Phillips, but can we talk about? Is it too early to? Is he is he another of these players that people are going to say won't fit in, and then he suddenly does, just at the point where you've nearly given up? I don't know. Have you given up? I haven't given up yet. I know. I'm sure. I bet a few people have, but um, no, I, I haven't. And uh, it's. I don't know. There was a, there was a time they were saying that was Grealish a mistake. You know. And mm. I, the way I the way I see it is that um, it, it seems to take time to get Pep, unless you're Erling Haaland, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they just walk into the team and just bish bash mosh. You've done it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, 
Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a difficult, torrid time for Calvin since he left Leeds, hasn't it? Really. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of that, Liam, uh, you look at, at the rest that Guardiola's wanted to give a lot of the team. Um, I think is it is it a concern for Phillips that basically these games have been dead rubbers? Chelsea was a dead rubber, Brighton was a dead rubber, and he's played ninety minutes in just one of them. Yeah. Um... I think with Pep, you've got to win his trust, haven't you? Um, and I think Phillips um, and I think Cole Palmer as well, where you thought at the start of the season, they'd probably played quite a lot more than they have done. And, um, you know, I was expecting the, well, last night and uh, the game on Sunday for them both to be getting 90 minutes out of it. And that wasn't the case for, for either of them. So um, I think it's good to see them get a bit more game time, but, um, I think there's still a long way to go until we can really depend on them. Yeah. In, in terms of the, uh, the the kind of second season um, aspect of this as well, Liam, I, the, the difference, I guess, I wonder from Grealish's point of view is that Grealish played a lot in his first season. And, I mean, we've barely seen Phillips he, this year. He did, but he didn't at the end of the season, really. Yeah. Um, I know he played away at West Ham in that penultimate league game, but I think, I, I know he came on at, at the, in the Bernabeu as well, but usually... When it's like the running and the games matter, that's where it shows a bit where you are in Pep's mindset, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jack did play a lot of games last season. There's no no denying he he did turn out for a lot more than Phillips has. Um, But, you know, there's been a a number of things. Phillips has a lot of injuries at the start of the season with the shoulder. Um, The whole World Cup in the middle of the season was quite disjointing. But, I mean, I'm not going to write him off yet or anything like that, but. Um, the two games that stand out in my mind about Phillips are the Southampton away game in the Cup and the Bristol City away game. And I thought in both of them, it it really showed how, even though he's like coming to deputise Rodri, when Rodri's on the pitch, everything goes through him. He's like, a, you know, um, what did Mourinho once say about Makaleli? Like he's the, the, the battery in the watch. Everything goes through Rodri all the time. And Phillips, the players just weren't looking for him in the same way. Um, and I was really excited about Phillips. Um, purely because I went to when England played Germany in the Euros uh, two summers ago and I hadn't really understood the hype about him because I'd never seen him in the flesh um, and he was brilliant that day him and Declan Rice played in midfield together so I always thought you know if, if he was available I'd like to see him at City but yeah I think there's been there's, there's been a few factors in there for in the season um, where he's not really had much of a go but at the same time I don't always feel like he's um taking the opportunity that he has got sometimes. Yeah, yeah it's kind of a bit of uh, a bit of six of one half, doesn't it? The other is the uh, the good old phrase. Mm. Uh, obviously, with uh, with two finals coming up, Alan, um, it's it's kind of a weird situation that City find themselves in. We'll get to the Brentford game a bit later on in the show. Um, but obviously, with the team that he picked against Chelsea and then the team that, uh, a much stronger team against Brighton, it kind of strikes me that we're in a period of, of it's almost like pre-season, but pre-season plus, if you know what I mean. Competitive games yes. that are that are useful. Absolutely. And like an opportunity for rhythm and, and, and just kind of get the momentum going ahead of the finals. Well, the Brighton, Brighton game, I thought, was particularly useful because Brighton had something to play for. Now, I've got, I've got a lot of respect for Brighton and Hove Albion as a club just lately. They seem to have a very, very canny way of running the, running the club itself. This massive database of very young South Americans that they, they've got, that kind of thing. They've got a real eye for sustainable value for money. And tactically, they're sound 
as well. And that I, I thought that might have gone by the by a little bit when Graham Potter went up to Chelsea. Mm. But it seems that there's a club. Inf- it seems that there's a holistic thing now. As a City fan, I kind of warmed to that holistic thing because that's a similar kind of approach to what we're trying to do with the CFG. You know, but um, th- that made them a very useful opponent um, for us, and uh, I would say altogether a very absorbing game as well. But both of those games, I think, it's a matter of it's balancing two things, isn't it? It's ma- making sure you don't overplay. I mean, I'm sure Pep's got a starting eleven in mind for both the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. But it's a matter of making sure, A, you don't overplay players, and B, you don't let them get rusty. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I don't know about you, Liam, you're obviously in, in the ground. Uh, you kind of, I, I guess you're kind of taken up by the emotion of the game and, and kind of the, the spectacle of the game. Now, it was, by all accounts, quite a great game to watch. I have to level with you. I didn't see it. I was stuck on the M62. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I was listening to it on the radio. But it sounded like a fantastic game to, to, kind, of, to kind of have that momentum side of things as well. But obviously, there, there comes the risk of, in a game like that, players exert themselves more. Yeah. Um, I mean, I may have had a few drinks last night, so I don't remember the game that well. <laughs> um, you know, after a five hour drive, we did get ripped into it straight away. And uh, yeah, the pressure was off, shall we say. So a bit more time on the concourse than maybe if it mattered. Um, but no, it, Brighton are a good team. You know, um, I think they I know Newcastle are obviously in the top four, but. I prefer watching Brighton over Newcastle. So I would say that sort of the best team outside of the traditional top four, um, whatever that means these days. But um, so, you know, they've got really good players, really good to watch uh, and they're dangerous and, you know, they're a threat to everybody they play. Um, so, yeah, it was a good uh, good opportunity last night for City to try and keep the levels up without, you know, hopefully um, keeping everybody fit. But I think the big thing for us now compared to a couple of years ago is we do have the opportunity to be making five subs. So, you know, it might be coming up that, he, you know, he, he sort of gives someone an hour or gives someone 45 minutes and just to keep them ticking over. And I think that's going to be really uh, helpful for us because, yeah, early in the season, Pep doesn't like making subs, does he? So, yeah. Yeah, if he's not making subs now when there's literally nothing to play for, then he's never making them at all, yeah. is he? That's the, yeah, that, that's the thing, yeah. Um, Alan, just in terms of injury risks, uh, are there any players that, like, I, it's difficult because you can't, you, we can't spend the entire entire season going, uh, the, the, the schedule's relentless, just look at this, you know, there's uh, there's games left, right and centre, how can we? How can these players play all of these games and then get to the point where we've won the title and gone, God, there's just, there's too many games, we can't afford to let any players play any games here because we've got to, we've got to keep them rested and, and, and ready for the finals so it, it yes. really is balancing that injury risk i guess because my heart was in my mouth when john stones went down yeah right. really was i mean it it seems it's just something and nothing it was more tiredness than anything else but yeah oh god i mean stones has been instrumental one of the most instrumental players in this recent run for me with his change of role um he's taking on what you can only call the John Stones role now. He's going to be one of these players who is referred to in that way. You know, like, you know, the, like the Cruyff turn, the, the Stones role, you know. Like the Rico, the Rico Lewis role, maybe? 
hey, you know something, there's a, a possibility. I thought he was playing very creatively last night, very creatively indeed at times. But uh, I have to say these nice things because his dad's as hard as, hard as nails, isn't he? So, um, <laughs> he'll come seek me out probably, but there you go. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. I think it's you need to definitely. Um, you've got you, you can't let players get rusty, and as Liam was saying, the five the five subs help. They really do, you know. And uh, it's it's a matter of just making sure that people have got yeah they've, they've they've got bounce in them still. It's hard at this end of the season. I mean, I say you look at other teams. Look at look at the way Arsenal. Um, fell apart towards the end. That's a measure of it's a measure of how it's I don't think they bottled it. I think they just they literally just physically ran out of steam. Yeah. You know? I, um... And it was unusual and injuries to key players at the wrong moments, these things happen. Plus it's Easter and it's Arsenal. Yeah, I, uh, I, I yeah. will disagree and say uh, that they bottled it more bottled than, it. yeah, more, more than, uh, more than some of the biggest bottling plants there are out there. Um, but you know, here we are. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's finish this uh, this little chat about uh, about the title win uh, with this. It's a quiz on City's latest title-winning season. There we go. I've not done one of these for a while, and I thought I'd treat the two guests that uh, haven't been on for a while to uh, to a little quiz. Now, the game is simple. Six questions, three each, one behind each number. Pick a number, one to six. Give me the correct answer to score the point. If it's a tie, we do have a tiebreaker at the end. Alan, I'm going to let you go first. Would you like uh, question one, two, three, four, five, or six? Oh, I'll, I'll take five with extreme trepidation, please. Question number five. City were 2-0 down at half-time in the Premier League and came back to win 4-2 in two games this season. It happened against Spurs and which other team? Oh, bloody hell. Um, I'll have to pass that. Uh, Liam, do you know? Crystal Palace. It was Crystal Palace, but I'm not giving you the point. It doesn't carry over. Hard luck. <laughs> uh, pick a number, one, two, three, four, or six? Six. Number six. What's City's lowest Premier League position all season? Hmm. It's tricky this one, isn't it? Because you don't want to go too high because you think, oh, that's that's big-headed. But also, you know that they've won quite a lot of games early on. Yeah. I'll go with fourth. Fourth is absolutely spot on. Oh, oh lovely. There we go. Finish, but they were fourth after the opening weekend and that's the lowest they've been all season. So, question uh, one nil to Liam. Questions one to four left. Alan, what are you having? Uh, um, questions one to four. I'll take two, please. Oh. Question number two. Who is the only City player to be shown a red card in the Premier League this season? Ah, bloody hell. Um, did, did Walker get one this season? I don't think he did. Um, I'm going to say Walker just to get me out of this questioning how. Uh, it wasn't, but you were in the right position. If you uh, if you flip over to the other side, it was Joao Cancelo against Fulham back in, uh, back in November. Back in November, I've slept since there was. There's been a World Cup between. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nevertheless, swing and a miss. Liam, what are you having? Yes. Uh, four. Uh, question number four: Who is the only player to miss a Premier League penalty for City this season? Uh, Gundogan. It was Gundogan against Leeds. Could have oh, had his yeah. hat trick. Yeah. Didn't do it. 
That made Pep very happy as well, didn't it? <laughs> it did, yeah. Uh, yes. It secured a 2-0 win for you, Liam, which means, Alan, there's uh, there's only dignity to play for now. Question one or two? Oh, one. Question number one. Who is the only City player other than Erling Haaland to score a hat-trick in the Premier League this season? Hmm. It would have been Gundogan if he'd scored that penalty. It would as well, wouldn't it? Hat-trick this season, it's not Erling. Uh, is it Mahrez? Uh, no, he scored in the FA Cup, unfortunately. It was uh, three against Sheffield uh, United. It was Phil Foden back in the derby. Fodders. Yeah, 6-3. Uh, him three, uh, yes. Harlan three. There we go. Uh, Liam, that leaves you with uh, question number three. Who were the first team to take points off City this season? Newcastle. It was indeed Newcastle. There we go. Three all draw and uh, three nil win. Yeah. Sorry, Alan. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. I'll come back to talking to you just for that. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. Statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Listen to it. Drink it in. Now then, um, we've had a few emails this week uh, about the coverage of City's title win from some quarters, uh, including other fans online or in workplaces, all that sort of thing. Uh, so let's talk about that for a little bit now. Um, Alan, I'm going to start with you. Do, you. do you feel like City get the credit that they deserve? Or do you feel like they deserve more credit for what they do? Well, every so often when I'm reading the press, you get this feeling that perhaps we might be getting the credit we deserve for a few days and then it comes back to the usual moans. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, everybody was going mad about John Stones. People were talking about how Pep was changing football in a way that the treble winning side of 1999 just didn't in terms of tactics, in terms, you know, because that side was a, you know, the United side of that season was a fairly traditional 4-4-2 for the most part, wasn't it? With a very drilled back four, it was looked like table football from the top. But the fluidity, the, uh, the fluidity of formation, everything like that, we get all this and then all of a sudden it just disappears and we're back to the same old gripes about money, and uh, the same old gripes about um nations dodgy nation states running clubs that kind of thing and the ex i think at times absolutely exhilarating football that we play is glossed over completely because i mean the the argument is always it, it is always about money and it is always about city having the resources um but ultimately alan they still have to go out there and play the football they still have to go out there and win the games absolutely give me the money that city that city have 
put me in Pep's place and watch it all fall apart within minutes. I would kind of like to see that, you know. Oh, yeah, but I wouldn't want to do it to City. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, put it this way, if it was a nation state taking over United, I would happily do it. I'd bring the place down from the inside. <laughs> but, you know, it's money does not buy success. I mean, look, I mean, people had a good laugh at us not long after the takeover, didn't they? I remember Stan Collymore going on about the cost of our back four compared with the cost of Burnley's back four. We were going through that debilitating series of draws just after I started busking, which were all my fault, apparently. Um, <laughs> it was... We took our time to get it right. And I mean, the club was... I mean, the club was in dire straits when um, when the takeover happened, one has to admit. But we had to build that, and we had to build that infrastructure. And you can't just throw money at something and expect it to succeed year on year. I mean, I think Newcastle are going to get quite the um, it's got a learning curve in the Champions League, shall we say? Yeah, we're going to get quite. I mean, we had a horrific learning curve, I thought in the Champions League, from that first game against Napoli, which scared me half to death, through to where we are now. It's not been, it's not been easy, has it? Yeah, not at all. I mean, Liam, I, we'll, we will come to the Premier League charges because I think we have to kind of mention them in the, in the context of this. But just ignore the charges for a second. Do you feel like City has simply judged on the money that they've spent? Um, I think slowly... Some of our detractors are moving away from just saying about the money, um, because you know Chelsea and United, well, Chelsea especially in the past twelve months, but you know United probably over a ten-year period are you know there or thereabouts with what we've spent. Um, I think you know the, the benefactor that we have and um, everything that goes with it. You know, regardless of the charges, I think it's it's more to do with where the money's come from. Um, as opposed to spending money, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. But yeah, I mean, you know, the what we've done this year, having won the league three t- years in a row, um, I mean, that's been done a handful of times in English history. You know, I think what with a fifth or sixth team to do it, um, you know, the, the bar, the barometer that people judge will always be saying they'll judge City on is whether they win the Champions League or not. Um, but that's happened. English clubs have won the Champions League loads of times. You know, Liverpool won it six times. United won it three times. It's 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 a more common thing for English football clubs to win the Champions League than to win the league three years in a row. And then no men's team have ever won the English domestic treble. And four years on from it happening, it still doesn't feel like. Well, it feels to me like it's been glossed over that we won all the domestic trophies. Um, so. You know, I think people will always go back to the spending and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think regardless of the charges, um, that's, it isn't just focused on that, but that is the crux of it. The, 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 you know, that we were just another team 15 years ago and now we're, you know, dominant, basically. Yeah. Um, do, Alan, do you feel like um, people assume City fans don't value the success because of the money? I, I, get, this, I, I get this impression. What I mean by that is... I always seem to to hear from rival fans when I speak to them in the workplace, when I speak to them, you know, when I when I see friends and uh, family who who support different teams. It always seems to come back round to this point of 
they see, they think I see City through the same prism that they do. And they see City as yes. a team that it's it's artificial success because they've spent a lot of money. Whereas I don't feel that. I, f- I feel the success because I'm living it. I'm there in it every every week. I, yes. I, I have the pressure of every single game of having to win to, you know, th- those title races where, you know, City and Liverpool went toe-to-toe to the end of the season. The pressure that you feel on every single one of those games like mm-hmm. the outside world doesn't see that, and I'm wondering if, if, if basically a lot of the criticism comes from that viewpoint that a lot of people see City's success as not real and assume that City fans see see it in the same way. But we we feel it, don't we? I I think it's not just it's not just that there's the faith there's the, there's a the historic fatalism of being a Manchester City supporter that for those of us of certain ages goes back for decades. And to suddenly see all this happening in front of us, it's not that we just turn up to every game thinking it's going to, thinking we're going to win, we're going to trounce them, we're going to walk all over them. Every last little, the only time, paradoxically, the only time I ever felt sure that we were going to absolutely walk over a side was about 20 minutes into the um, the second leg of the um, Champions League semi-final because literally, but that was more Real Madrid not showing up. Yeah, the the, the, the one time turns out to be the, against the best team ever in the Champions Absolutely. League. Yeah, yeah I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe how little spine they showed, to be absolutely honest. I mean, I, we played brilliantly, but they, they just seemed to be absolutely cowed by us. But apart from that, no, 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 no. Every game, because you never know when a Crystal Palace is going to come along. Mm. You never know where. You never know. Well, when you do. Teams... It's you know when it's going to. It spurs away, isn't it? That's that's the game that's coming yeah. along. Yeah, that's, that's our bogey these days. It used to be Everton a few years ago. Now it can't be Everton for obvious reasons because they're dreadful. But yeah, Spurs. Spurs is the one now, uh, and there are also yeah. Little slip, like the Brentford game before the, the um, before the World Cup, where um, probably Kev was probably trying to work out what he said to his teammates after that Guardian interview or something like that. You know, you never know when it's all going it, to. It could all come crashing down in a particular game, and there's a there's something that runs through the club like Blackpool through a stick of rock. Yeah, that the supporters feel. You know, there's, there's sometimes people go on about the, the atmosphere in the Etihad. And I think it actually is this constant nervousness. We're a basket case bunch of supporters sometimes because we've seen the, we know the past. We know empires rise and fall. Yeah, does, does that feeling, though, make it... Um... Just is it that that kind of makes the success more valuable to you as a city fan? Is that is it that kind of even though people outside don't see the jeopardy? Is it that that kind of that that when City win the latest Premier League title, it isn't boring because you know the work that's had to go into to achieve that latest title. Exactly, you look at you look at what happened to the teams around us this year, and you look at the sheer grit and determination and the body language of some of the players towards the ends of games when they are clearly absolutely knackered. I I thought Kev looked particularly um, 
rung out when he came off last night. And um, Bernardo early on in last night's game was looking, he was playing a strange role, but he was looking about as comfortable as a man who'd had ferrets shoved down his trousers after he shat his pants. (laughs) And part of that is just tiredness. Those players are tired. People underestimate just how much of a, they think they just come out fresh for every game, but it's, it doesn't work like that, does it? Yeah. It's a cumulative effect of a season must be wrecking on any player. And to actually see that through to a possible treble, I don't want to jinx it, we've only got one of them at the moment, but see that coming through to a possible treble, to even be within sight of it is absolutely superhuman. Yeah. I'll, I'll never stop valuing that because people are people. It doesn't matter how much money is there. People get tired. People get knocked. People get injured. People have things going on in their lives other than football. They're human. And it's a, a superhuman endeavour that we've seen. Yeah. And at the same time, though, Liam, I mean, like in the context of, of the Premier League charges, um, they do have they do have a place in this discussion. I mean, Guardiola said this this week. Have a listen to this. Do we accept he's there? If it happens, it happens. It happens in the UEFA and after, you know, what will happen now is the Premier League. So, so let's go. Come on, 24 hours, sit down, talk and both sides, lawyers, present. Don't wait one year, two years. Why even do it quickly? Come on. And as soon as possible, for, for the benefit for everyone. So let's go. Let's do it as soon as possible, please. Now, you can understand him wanting a quick resolution to all this because it like it feels like there is a cloud hanging over the club with this ongoing at the moment, doesn't it? But at the same time, you can't. I just kind of wonder, like, do you feel that City are guilty no matter what the outcome of this is? Is that what people think? Yeah, I, mean, I look at it very similar to the um, UEFA charges a couple of years ago. Um as much as the statement from Cass, um, you know, showed that we weren't guilty, I don't think that changes people's perception of the club. Um, you know, you'll get the, the usual suspects in in the media still writing arc- articles about it. You'll, you know, have fans of rival clubs thinking, you know, <laughs> the worst of us and things like that. But um, you know, it's, for me, it's just one of those things where. You know, I watch football because of what's on the pitch, not for what's going on outside. Um, so, I, you know, I try not to let it really bother me. And to be honest, all the people I work with who sport different teams, they, they, we, when we talk about football, we just talk about what's on the pitch. No one talks to me about, um, you know, oh, does, does it has it clouded what what you're doing at the moment? And because at the end of the day, I mean, how can what happened over the past week or two? You know what's the connection there with what Mancini was getting paid in two thousand and nine or whatever, yeah. whatever the charges all are. So um, yeah, I think for some people it's it's like you know they see what City do as sports washing um, or whatever they want to call it, and I think these this is like the opposite of that. That people are going to be influenced by these charges, whether we get found guilty of any or none at all people have got their minds made up and nothing's going to change that. So let, let them crack on, let them have sleepless nights about the parrot. Yeah. Alan, can you can you just ignore it all until there's a judgment? I do, to be honest. I find the I find this um, technical stuff in the extreme. You know, as, as Liam said, it's what goes on in the pitch that matters. 
and you know it's the lawyers are going to argue it out and my feeling is it's all going to peter out to a great extent some of the charges will be dropped um that uh this it's i don't think i don't think pep's going to get his um instant um judgment either this is going to this, this is going to drag on for years and after a while people are going to be so sick of it they want it to go away regardless so i i no, i just i just I think I, I obsessed about it for about a day and just put it back to the back of my mind again. And yeah. nobody else talks to me about it much. You know, it's just something that, oh, some journalists keep on wanting to hark on about it. People wanted to remind remind everybody about it. But of course, a club is innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, you know, I guess I, so I guess just... rival fans might say that um, if if you've spent too much money in bringing this team in, then you have an unfair advantage on the pitch. Is there, do you take any? Do you give that any weight? Not an awful lot of weight, especially if it's coming from a club that might have wanted to say hack into our databases. Or something <laughs> like that, there are sharp practices. Go, everyone's looking for an edge somewhere, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, and rules, I'm sure rules aren't followed to the absolute um, letter of the law. You know, uh, people will try and get whatever advantage they can. The the other issue um, that's kind of with the narrative of, uh, of City's title win this time around has been uh, the issue of dominance and it being too easy for City. Uh, we've kind of touched on this already, but uh, have a listen to, to what Guardiola thinks of this. When the people are going to say now that uh, now but next season... Uh, is going to convert so just Manchester City can win the Premier League. The stupid comments. So, and the stupid comments, the only problem is he had the stupid comments in your head. As much as you are not in your head when the people say, nah, it's easy for Manchester City to win next season the Premier League, is because you accept these stupid comments are in your head. But as much as you are not in your head, remain stupid comments. This is the reality. So the next season will be tougher because all the clubs want to beat us. So they don't like to be see the all the time win 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 win. They want a video, but that is a challenge. So Liam, I know that City put in a lot of hard work. You know City do. Alan knows. Guardiola knows. Mm. Um, does it bother you then if if other people don't don't see it or don't or, or don't like City's football because you can enjoy it? You can see what's uh, what the product of of his hard work is on the pitch. No, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's my hobby. It's not it's a rival supporters' hobby to think City are great. Um, you know, City have a culture of winning throughout the club. Um, they it, it, they have been dominant. There's no way around that. But at the same time, um, it's it's the the mindset and the mentality that's gotten to where they are now. Um, you know, they've they'll just keep on going the way they are. Um, and, you know, if, if people aren't going to like that. You know, I remember 15 years ago when United won three leagues in a row and I, I would have come out with all sorts of nonsense at the time because I was, you know, uh, I, I hate that club. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know what I've seen it's them It's a safe successful. space, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's it, yeah. But, um, you know, in uh, rival teams who don't like City, then, you know... Uh, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. If, if they think it's boring, then, yeah, I mean, I didn't find it particularly exciting when other clubs have been dominating. So, yeah, it is what it is. 
Yeah. I do wonder about the narrative of uh, there being no jeopardy in games, Alan, because uh, that's not how I felt for the, for large parts of this season. Of politics, isn't it? Yeah, I just, I, I think no, back to... Yeah, I, I think back to some games at the end of this season, um, even even though City have actually won the title quite comfortably in the end. Um, yes. Like 3 0 up against Leicester takes all the all the best players off. Leicester score, and suddenly we're all chewing our fingernails. Leeds had a nervy end. Absolutely. Fulham was not an easy win, but City have done it. And I mean, ultimately, City consistently pass all of these tests. And I think yes. what happens is people look at that and go, well, that's the money they've spent, instead of saying, actually, that's what a good team they are. Yeah, I've touched. I touched on this before when I said, "Put me in charge of City with all that money and watch it all fall apart." Watch it. Watch it look like Agent Phoenix Bates is bringing it down from the inside. When in fact, I would just be damned incompetent. Yeah. But you know, it, there is there's been a lot of work to get us where we are. I mean, don't forget, Pep won what, nothing in his first season here, didn't he? Yeah, I thought we'd you know, broken him was, back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> but. These things take these things take time to get right. It's a difficult. This is a difficult league, you know. Um, it's not like some league where a Bundesliga striker can come in and just like dominate us completely. <laughs> oh, no, that, happened. that happened. But but the uh, regardless of that, um, I think it's it's a testament to the the build the patient building work that Pep has been doing and the work behind the scenes as well that we've actually got to this point. I had a very interesting chat. Well, I was out in Kiev once, and I bumped into Peter Schmeichel. And, uh, how how, how hard? Oh, I came off this. I came off this. But uh, we, were, we, were talking about, um, we were talking about Spain's dominance in international football at the time, so you can, I think you can guess why I was in Kiev. And um, he... He said, I said, do you think that it's bad for the game for one team to be so far above everybody else in terms of skill, in terms of trophies? He looked at me like I was mentally deficient. And so I just said, look, says, people said exactly the same about you know, when I was playing at United. So I said exactly the same things. The responsibility of the other teams is to give us a competition. That is the end of it. If, yeah. if we're head and shoulders above everybody else, then they need to be looking to their laurels. They can't be bleating on about money or whatever. They need to find ways. Get on, get on that video machine. Watch the games. Work out ways to beat us. But you know something? I would absolutely. Oh, I was about to say I would love it, but that make me sound like Kevin Keegan. <laughs> it would be absolutely fantastic to watch the game evolve around Pep's revolution and watch it evolve and adapt and it will trust me it will yeah the the, the final point to this uh, this discussion liam i want to i want to put to you is um we've seen a lot this last week of um kind of well arsenal never really had a chance anyway um that i mean to quote alan is just bollocks isn't it <laughs> uh, yeah it, it is complete bollocks um i mean you know I listen to this podcast every week, David, as I've told you many times. And, you know, if you went back about five or six weeks, there's no way you would have thought that by beating Everton, we would have won the league effectively because you just just wouldn't have seen it at all. Um, And, you know, I I think back to times over the season, 
You know, I remember um, driving back home from Tottenham away in February, and you know, it was the following day when we had these uh, these charges put against us. But you know, when you think about in January, um, Arsenal brought in Trossard and Jorginho, two really top line Premier League proven uh, players to come in and boost their chances. And I mean, I wasn't a big fan of his at the end of it all, but you know, as we got rid of Jao Cancelo and. You know, he was a big part of us winning the league back to back over the past two seasons. And we were, I don't know how many points we were behind at that point, but for us to turn it round, you just never saw that coming. And um, the idea I, that, I it's, just, that it was inevitable is just, it, it's just not true, is it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, you know, I, I put, I always put when the, the opposition, when I feel like they're very good that we're up against. So, you know, the last couple of years, it's usually been Liverpool. I get into the, the mode of putting money on them to win. So at least it sort of softens the blow a bit for me. And I lost about 150 quid on Arsenal at the start of April. So I do think it is down to me a little bit why they bought it. Um, but, <laughs> no, um, they, you just didn't, you, two things. You didn't see City going on the run they have done. And you didn't see when they when Arsenal had fifty points after nineteen games, they were get, they were on track to get to our hundred points, and um, you know you, you just never you never saw it going since the international break at the end of March. Nobody knew that it was going to be like this, and you know like a big reason why I stayed in Brighton last night is because we booked a hotel because we thought that there's a slight chance that could be the night that we win the league. And that was only two weeks ago that we booked it. Yeah. And we already won it before then. So, yeah, I mean, it's to, to say that it was, well, three out of the five leagues that Pep's won have, has been some of the three most exciting leagues that, you know, title races that there's ever been, I'd, I'd say. I mean, the one in 2019 just was exhausting. Uh, last year, I mean, after we won it against Villa last year, I had to just go home because I felt ill. Yeah. After that day, and then today, uh, this this season again, you, you just up until three, four weeks, well, until we beat them, really, you, there was no way you thought that it's it's on properly because it wasn't in our hands until April, was it? With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Let's dig into that a little bit more because um, as little as seven weeks ago, City were eight points off Arsenal at the top of the Premier League table, albeit with a game in hand. A month and a half later, Ilkay Gundogan was lifting City's third title in a row and fifth in six seasons. I've been looking at all the major turning points of the season. After 24 Premier League matches, Manchester City's longest winning streak was three games. 
That the team would go on a run even back in March wasn't a foregone conclusion. Here's journalist and City fan Dan Burke speaking on the podcast ahead of City's 4-1 win over Liverpool. To be honest, I'm not hugely confident about the chances of, of putting a run together. I suppose it depends what you mean by putting a run together because it seems like... To me, we probably need to win all 11 remaining games to, to win the league this season, um, which is quite a big ask. Um, you know, City have been in, in good form for the best part of two months now. Um, we're, we're looking really good before the international break. I, I still don't feel like they are as strong as they were last season. And if we need to win all 11 remaining games, I, I'm not sure I, I can see us doing it this year. I saw someone on Twitter the other day saying, oh, if City win the next 18 games, they win the treble. And it's like, yeah, it sounds lovely and simple when you put it like that, but it's it's not it's not that simple in practice, is it? And I, I don't yeah. know how helpful it is to look at it in those terms psychologically either, really. I think the focus just has to be on beating Liverpool this weekend and then looking ahead to the next game. As we know now, City did go on a run. They've got three games left of the 18 that Dan mentioned, and they now only need to win two of them to secure a treble. The team have been relentless in the last three months, winning 18 of the last 21 games. But we can't overlook an Arsenal collapse. Here's how Arsenal fan Michael Kashani was feeling when we spoke to him after their draws with Liverpool and West Ham. A little despondent at the moment. I think you've you've got to be bullish at the time of this. We've come too far to give up now. But there is this, this feeling now that this might just be that bridge too far. We might be running out that little, little bit. But I'd say Southampton isn't... Well, it's going to be where the focus is, but it's not where the worry is. I'd say, obviously, there's City right after that, there's Chelsea at home after that, and I think the next game after that is Newcastle away. You'd hope that everyone's going into Southampton with a calm head because, you know, it's Southampton at home. You know, famous last words. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you screw up there, you don't deserve to win the title. And Arsenal did mess up that Southampton game. After losing to City the following midweek, they lost two of their next four. That run of nine points from a possible 24 opened the door for City to win the title, an opportunity that they didn't turn down. That Arsenal downturn was as unexpected as City's upturn, though. The first half of the season was steady but not spectacular from City, but there was one win that stands out. The Athletics' Paul Bayus explains how the performance against Fulham convinced Guardiola to sign a new contract. He always said that it depended on not just him, not just the fact that he's happy with his friends working at the club and the work environment, but the main thing was to really know that the players were still following him. It has happened in trainings, watching the daily attitude of the players, seeing the efforts that the club has done to bring the right players from Holland to Akanji. So basically, Fulham was the final assurance that all of this had happened. I can remember that day that Pep came up to the press conference after the match with a huge delay and it was produced by his personal choice to make a speech in the dressing room, confessing to the players how proud he was feeling and that... Um, this was the reason why he is a manager, to see performances and the kind of commitment that he saw. Despite that, City lost their next game, the last one before the World Cup. When the season resumed, they took a while to find their feet too. There were wins, but they weren't always convincing. And after beating Spurs at the Etihad, Guardiola called out his team's attitude publicly and delivered some home truths. I want a reaction for all the club, all organisation, not just the players, the staff and everyone. Happy flowers, team. Happy flowers, organization. Ah, it's good, good. No, I don't want to be happy flower. I want to be Arsenal. Away, you know. But if we play in that way, Arsenal will destroy us. Will beat us. Will beat us. And it's not that said that the people say, ah, Pepe don't want to win the Premier League. Of course, I want the Premier League. No, I want to say I don't care the Premier League last week against. Of course, I don't care. I want to see my team. You know. My team in many, many things. 
This is when I, uh, I want to do it. You do wonder how much that press conference had an impact on the rest of the season. It was on the 19th of January and City dropped just five more points in their run to the title after it. That night, Guardiola made a point of highlighting how the team didn't stick up for youngster Rico Lewis when he was targeted. His emergence as a first-team player was another turning point of the season too. Two years on the last three games was beyond my expectations. Uh, the top sides, big pressure, how good he played. We'll review the games, every action he does, defensively in the air box for example, or in the smaller spaces inside, or when get the ball outside, everything is well done. Everything. He has the ability to read the situations every time in one fraction of a second and always the decision is good. And he never react after, always anticipate the things with without the ball. Is so intelligent player, so intelligent. It's the fullbacks who have been the key to the season in many ways. From Nathan Ake's superb showing as a left-back to John Stones stepping into the centre of midfield, they've been key to how City have found their form in the springtime. Even the departure of Joao Cancelo could be seen as a turning point. Here's the male's Jack Gorn speaking on the podcast when the transfer was announced. Quite a dramatic dramatic end to his to his time at City, really, which has been majorly up and down like the oh, the highs have been like exceptionally high and then the lows that culminated in the sort of heated rows and arguments and discussions however you want to describe it with Pep it's a crap way to leave a club in it that you've done you know that, you, that, you, that you've played so well for solidly for two years and was widely regarded as one of the best fullbacks in the world and you know a lot of people said that he reinvented the and the way a left back um, should be viewed, for it to end like that with him having yeah not nice talks with Guardiola about game time and things like that is quite staggering, really. Plenty were nervous about the move. City had started the season with a shortage of fullbacks, especially on the left, and this confirmed they'd end the season with one fewer. It's probably just a coincidence, but this exchange happened 12 days after Cancelo had been moved on. Recently, you, you know, you've said yourself you've not been too happy with the team. Are you happier now? Do you think it's yeah. improving? Do you think it's getting to where you'd like it to be? Especially the way we are behaving in the training sessions since the last one week, 10 days, improve a lot. Everyone is so focused and and this is the only chance to have to be competitive. That don't assure you to win, but without that it's impossible. It was also at the top end of the pitch where things needed to improve too, and they did for one player in particular when the squad returned from the World Cup. After a holiday where he saw the sights of Home Alone 2, Jack Grealish got to work. For me, obviously, it was a great night. You know, I've, I've, That's what I've wanted to do, You know, especially recently. I feel like I've been playing well, but... You know, I want to come and affect these big games. Um, you know, last month I obviously scored at Old Trafford to make it one, and I thought, oh, buzzing. Like, you know, I'm going to get the winner here, and then, you know, we, we go and concede too. Um, so it didn't really mean anything, the goal. Um, but obviously to score that one tonight was, yeah. was so important. That was Grealish speaking to Amazon Prime after his goal at the Emirates in City's 3-1 win over Arsenal. That game itself could have been viewed as a turning point, but perhaps more important was the draw the following weekend at Nottingham Forest. City battered Forest, but conceded an avoidable late equaliser. In games like that, it's better than say anything and go home and take a good sleep and tomorrow think about the other one. So we played a really, really good game. We knew it and we did. We missed the second goal. Then after the second, we'll arrive the third and. And we cannot do it, but we have to look ourselves. We can do better in terms of, of say, there is something like I said, hey, we have to win, yes or yes. 
and we have to do it and today we miss it too many clear chances. After that, City turned relentless. Bournemouth, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Southampton, Leicester, Arsenal, Fulham, West Ham, Leeds and Everton were all beaten in a springtime resurgence that also saw Bayern Munich and Real Madrid humbled in the Champions League. That's the win, yes or yes, mantra in action right there. But there might be another factor in motivating the team. In February, the club was hit by over 100 Premier League charges relating to the finances, and while City may play down the impact, there was no more useful tool for Guardiola to foster an us-against-the-world attitude. City were defiant throughout, from a strongly worded statement on the day to Guardiola's words in the first media conference after the charges were announced. I'm not moving from this seat. I can assure you, more than ever, I want to stay that. Now, more than ever. Yeah. Sometimes I have doubts of seven years, eight years, seven years already is a long time. Not even in any country so many, many years, imagine in the Premier League, so many, many years. But now I don't want to move on. Not because the people say, yeah, if the, they lie to you, Pep, they didn't lie to me. Look what happened with her. I said to them, what happened? So, Pep, we did anything wrong. We prove it. Now is the same case. From the moment the charges were announced back in February to the moment City lifted the Premier League trophy on Sunday, the team dropped just two points. It was the sort of form that hadn't looked likely at any point since the season started the previous August. There's no single factor that's gone into City's title-winning campaign. It's definitely not been like any other under Guardiola though, because it's not long ago that the manager was saying he didn't recognise his team, and now they're in a good position to compete for the treble. There have been a number of moments in the season that could act as turning points, all coming together to get City to the top of the table. The only constant throughout though has probably been Erling Haaland's goals. Hi, it's Nicky Weaver, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. So that was a look at the major turning points. Um, Alan, for you, is there any moment where things switched? I mean, earlier in the show, Liam said the, the Arsenal game at uh, at the Etihad, which ironically I didn't include in, in that feature. Um, but are there any moments that that happened in the season where you thought this this is it? This is this this is this could be the thing that galvanizes City. I think it was the response to dropping points against Forest. Yeah, for me, um, that felt. I mean, I suppose you look at the way they played against Arsenal, it doesn't seem so bad in hindsight. But at the time, that felt devastating. That felt absolutely devastating. And there had to be a change from there on in. I think Forrest was a galvanising moment um, for the club. Finding themselves where they are now. Yeah, we do. Uh, we'll do bad take amnesties at the end of the season, Liam. Uh, and I've got an absolute <laughs> corker of the of one of these to come up because there's a point at which I gave up on the season. Um, yeah. Did you ever? Did you I ever give? Did, did, did oh, you know, you know exactly what it was. Did you, did you give up at, yeah, at any point? Um, I never gave up. I always felt like if we could be within five points of them when they came to the Etihad, then we'd we'd have a chance. But I mean, I, I, I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but yeah, leaving Tottenham, one uh, losing one nil there, 
I just didn't see it. It, it wasn't so much the well, obviously the results were not as good as they have been, but also it was just the way we were playing. It wasn't. It just something wasn't quite right at the time. It wasn't quite clicking, and then. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if it, you could put it completely down to Cancelo leaving. I know that was like a week earlier. Or maybe the actually getting charged with these things from the Premier League might have had a bit of a, a different a change in mentality. Um, against the internally world sort of thing, the club. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But all of a sudden, you know, it, it started to feel like what we've got come used to with uh, the way that City play, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know... Even though they weren't all big wins at the start, it was sort of just the the confidence was growing and growing. And then, I mean, since since the international break, you know, scoring four against Liverpool, four against Arsenal, four against Real Madrid, three against Bayern Munich, the confidence has just been through the roof. So, um, yeah, it's just been just been brilliant. Yeah, well, uh, that leads us all nicely on to uh, the final day of the Premier League season at uh, Brentford. Um, Alan, after the comical Chelsea lineup and then a, a stronger one against Brighton, um, are you expecting full strength for this one? Because it's obviously it's the week before the the cup final. It's the final final warm up game, I guess, to the cup final. Full strength with full strength with a lot of subs. Yeah, I'm suspecting it's a it's a matter of um, letting letting the team get their mojo together again as a, as a first eleven. But also, you've got to manage game time so people, uh, as I say, manage. You know, there's a case, there's a case for managing the amount of game time they play simply just to just as insurance on anything else. We can't afford to pick up injuries at all. Could you could you I mean, make a case for resting like Haaland or De Bruyne or anyone like that, or do they just need to play to get into the into the swing of things? I mean, Haaland Haaland's missing chances left, right, and centre at the moment, isn't he? Indeed, indeed, he is. It looks like he's not going to score as many as Terry Bly. It's um, well, you never know, you never know. But um, it's uh, there could be. A, I mean, there could be a case for giving him giving him a rest. I mean, uh, Julian Alvarez, he's. Um, He's more than capable of stepping up. I mean, it, it's. Um, I, I think there's. I think there's a case for giving him a bit of a, just giving him. Giving. I think there's a case for resting um, Erling. Yeah, but I'm not so sure about um, resting De Bruyne too much, though. Um, it's it's a finer line with him because he can be he can get rusty, I think, yeah. a little bit too easily. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a matter of more managing his game time because I mean I, I know he is looking tired. You can see it in his body language at times, but he's still he's still turning it on, and we're not the, we're not quite the same team without him. So I think there's a case for giving him there's a case for giving him seventy minutes. I think. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Liam, is there when when it hits three thirty on Sunday? Is there anybody in that that uh, starting lineup that you when the team sheet comes out that you'll uh, you'll wince if you see they're in there, or is it a case of get everybody on the pitch if they if they fit? Um, 
protect Rodri at all costs for me. I think he's, he's the one that, I mean, I know we spoke about Phillips earlier on, um, but I, I feel like he's the only one where there is a considerable drop-off if he was in, you know, if we were to miss for those last two games where, you know, we, we could be rewriting history. Um, he's the one for me where I don't want him, I don't even want him to travel. I want him to be relaxed. He's played enough games I don't feel like if he ever has any time out of the team, he takes in much to get back into the, the swing of things. Um, you know, if if De Bruyne or Haaland or um, Diaz or Stones, if any of them got injured, I know Stones is quite key in the role that he's currently playing, but um, I, you know, I would like to see um, Rodri get a, get a rest and yeah, just not not even risk the thought of him getting injured because he's not. He's not really had many injuries for City the whole time he's been there, uh, been with us. And um, you know, if he was to then get an injury when it's when we need him, um, then that would be uh, devastating for City. Well, not devastating, but it, I can't go into another Champions League final without a, a central defensive midfielder. Yeah, well, I was, I was just about to say, Rodri doesn't need to be injured to to not be in the team for the Champions League yeah, final. We, we, we know that from experience. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Alan, I can't remember if it was you or Liam earlier on in the show that uh, that um, talked about uh, that Guardiola might have a, a starting lineup for the, uh, the the two finals in mind. Um, is there is there a chance that somebody could play their way into it? You look at maybe someone like Phil Foden, his performance against um, against Brighton. If he starts again against Brentford and, and turns it on again, he will give the manager a bit of a headache because I'm, I'm thinking yeah. that that Champions League and FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Lineup might well be the the Real Madrid lineup. Yeah, there's, I think there's a chance. Yeah, Foden could definitely play his way, and, um, and Mares as well. There's, uh, it's not. A, I don't think it's a lost cause for either of them, and that they could be playing on. Uh, they could be playing one way round or the or one way round or the other. I mean, it could be that one of them plays, one of them gets into the say the FA Cup final, another one gets into the uh, Champions League final. Sure, I think there's a there's a first eleven that um, Pep has in mind, but um, I think that it's. Uh, I, I think his mind, if he's got any sense, his mind will be open to the very last. So, uh, uh, and Phil's playing well enough, you know. It's um, there's there's a chance he can get in. It's yeah. you've got to compete, haven't you? Yeah, there's uh, there's two names I want to throw at you now, Liam, to finish. Um, the first one is uh, another one that I think possibly should be wrapped up in cotton wool at home, safely not even travel down to Brentford. Uh, Manuel Akanji, um, simply because if if Ake isn't fit, I, I I just feel like he's the one that needs to play at left back rather than Rico Lewis. Rico Lewis has been great, but it's it's a lot of pressure on a young lad to play out of position in two finals, isn't it? What are you saying? You wouldn't trust Sergio Gomez there. I completely forgot he existed. So, um, which is it's probably bad for me and, and not great for him either. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, I think, um, yeah, with with Ake being out and us not having another left back again, um, I think yeah, Kanji might be another one where you. But then you know, if if, if Kanji plays on Sunday and he gets an injury, might he play Laporte at left back? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, he's he's definitely one where you, you don't want to see him get injured at all. Well, you don't want to see any of them get injured, do you? But um, by far and away for me, 
Rodri is the most important one. But yeah, I can I can see your logic for uh, Akanji as well. Yeah. What What about Ortega? What would you do with him? Because um, I I suspect he'll po- probably play the FA Cup final, given he's he's played in the cups uh, this season. Um, but then that means Edison hasn't played for a few weeks before the Champions League final. Uh, you're the goalkeeper, mate. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you need? Does I, I don't know. I mean, does it matter if he's Edison's not played for a couple of weeks, or um, you know, Ortega went a couple of weeks without playing, and I think he's looked pretty good when he's come in. So yeah. um, I don't. I, I'd imagine he'll play Ortega in the final, uh, the FA Cup final, because he tends to um, stick to his guns when it comes to um, playing the. Sort of second choice keeper in uh, domestic cups, but um, regarding Sunday, I mean it's, it's a flip of the coin for me, really. I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't think it's it's too important whether he plays or not, Edison, because um, he will definitely play in the uh, the Champions League final, I think. Um, so yeah, he might want to give him a bit of time between the sticks again, but give him I'm not sure how important it is. Yeah, maybe half each. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, well, maybe a third, and let Carson have a go as well. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, yeah. Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to predict the unpredictable now because uh, it's the uh, final game of the season. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, we've had no win on the charity bet for last week's show either, so uh, we're running out of games to add to the total. We're collecting for the Man City fans food bank support group. William Hill is giving each of us a ten pound correct score single. Uh, we've won one thousand and fifteen pounds so far, and we'd like to add to that uh, before the end of the season. One more chance to go. Trip to Brentford. Uh, good luck, everyone, for the final day of the season. Alan, what are you having? Oh, I'm going for 2-1. 2-1 City is uh, 15 to 2 and £75 if you're right. Liam? A, pa- a painfully boring nil-nil. If it happens. I mean, <laughs> it'd be the first time I think anybody's ever won on the charity bet with a nil-nil. Um, so uh, if it happens, it's it's 160 quid. It's 16 to 1. Um, I've gone for the complete opposite. A painfully entertaining 3-3. Three, three. Um, so uh, three old draw, 50 to 1. Let's try and stick some money in the kitty. 500 pounds if I'm yeah. right. Never going to happen, is it? Uh, remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on how to gamble responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. We are going to finish with some audience questions we'll squeeze them in as best we can because we are running out of time um on twitter get in touch at blue moon podcast you can email us as well through the website bluemoonpodcast.com fill in the form there and we'll get to your emails in future shows um we're going to start with uh, one from me um after guardiola said that his next ambition was to score a goal at spurs away um liam what's your smallest ambition for next season uh to be in saudi arabia for the club world cup uh, final in <laughs> December. Oh, I like that one. I like that one. Alan, have you got any yeah. any tiny ambitions you'd like to live up to next season? Tiny and um, tiny ambitions for next season. I would like to. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to. I'd like to see Calvin Phillips in the team sheet without me getting IBS. <laughs> Fair play. Um, Jordan on Twitter has been in touch to say, uh, where does next season's kit stand in the list of great City kits? For me, it's one of the best. I hope we wear it in the FA Cup and Champions League finals. Um, Liam, where, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. Um, I think I still prefer this year's one. Um, so I, I hope we don't wear it in the FA Cup or Champions League final. But yeah, I mean, it's... Um, Humor have been pretty good so far, I think. Um, the first year was dire with the purple sleeves, but apart from that, um, I've quite liked uh, Puma's kit so far. Uh, still number one for me, though, is the first uh, Umbro 
one um, after the takeover, yeah, 2009 to 2010. Yeah, yeah that's I, the best one. I still play in that one, so um, yeah. like that's that, that, that's how long it li- that's how long it has lived on. Alan, for for you, I, I don't know if you've seen the news today um, that uh, the the badge on City's current shirt could cause an issue in the Champions League final because the UEFA put a, a little monogram in the centre of, uh, of the shirt, and obviously the badge is yes. in the way. So the solution might be wear next season's kit because the badges are not in the centre on that. Oh, I see. Right, it was a good. Well, that will sell a few kits, won't it? You know, it's always oh, good for Puma, good for everybody. But um, yeah, that's the, that's one way of doing it, I suppose. Because yeah, the badge is in a strange place there. As far as this kit's concerned, for this for next season though, I'm not so keen on the neck. I don't like that neck. I never have that like that neck. I prefer the I prefer a round neck in plain white if if at all possible. You know, it's the it's the it's the lover of Colin Bell in me. You know, yeah. it's. I, I love, I, I absolutely adore that. But uh, it's not such a bad kit, I suppose. There's been some right monstrosities over the year, but um, yeah, it's not so bad. Not so yeah. bad. You say you say right monstrosities. Any any awful ones that either of you absolutely loved in, in Quiet? You know, and the little secret. Oh. Uh, you know, the, the the kind of guilty pleasure of um, of, of City's awful there was, kits. There was that one from the early nineties that the the away kit that looked like um, sort of purple banana pajamas. With the with, abs- with the yellow pinstripes, that's the one. Yeah, I absolutely adored that. But it seems I was, you know, I, I was kind of in a, um, a, you know, club of one on that. Because, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I used to I used to, I used to wear it to Main Road. It was, um, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, speaking of pinstripes, uh, I've, I've, there's there's conflicting views on the, the Sven season kit, um, which I love. No, but surely not. Quite a few people. So, I I love that kit because it it just reminds me of like the greatest days of my life. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, a, it's a great which, kit. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. People don't like that one. Surely not. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a, like a city kit, though, is it? I don't think. But um, you know, it's not a traditional city kit. I don't think with the the, the white pinstripes on it. But I yeah, for me, and the, even the away kit, which looks like a seat on a on a train, the purple one, uh, like that as well. <laughs> Yeah, the um the the one for me the uh, the guilty pleasure of mine. Nobody seems to like the fluorescent yellows that we have, and we had one in about two thousand and five. That was the third kit that was yellow and black, and that is oh, beautiful. But everybody horrible. hates it. Yeah, exactly. Everybody hates it, yeah, and it, it reminds me of uh, we had a third kit in the late nineties that I think we only played in at QPR and Stockport once. Um, mm. That was yellow and black. That had like black bars on it and and yellow yellow yeah. bars down the set. Like beautiful kit. But no, nobody uh, nobody remembers it fondly. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> final question for this week's show goes to Annie on Twitter, who says, uh, what's the most unexpectedly fun final day of the season you've had watching City? Brentford should be a dead rubber, but sometimes these can produce the most entertaining games. Alan, anything that uh, that you can remember on the last day that has been... Oh, um, God. I, I, I remember um, a lovely last day of the season in 1991, I think it was. Um, yes, 1991. Um, that was the season that we put both of the relegated teams down ourselves. Um, and we relegated Sunderland on the, on the last day of the season. And it was such a fun game because Sunderland really brought their A game to it. And... Um, we went ahead through Quinn, and um, then I think Marco Gabbiadini, um leveled the scores, 
And then they went ahead through um, Gary Bennett, who was one of our old youth players. Mm. So there was a certain sense of jeopardy to it. By halftime, it was 2-2. We won 3-2. Regrettably, Luton stayed up. But um, not the Luton that we have now. Uh, they're not so covered. <laughs> but feel feel free there. to hold a grudge. Yeah, oh, feel free to hold a grudge. Yeah, it's fine. David Cleese, the pants. Oh, oh, 1983. But, um, you know, it's that oh, it was a gorgeous day. Crisp shadows on the pitch. I watched the game in sunglasses. It felt absolutely fantastic. It was so much fun. And to come away come away with a win, and we finished one place above United, yeah. which we all sang, we're the pride of Manchester. And I thought, well, that's it set for a few seasons now. And the Rater, <laughs> he had another thing coming, though. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was a great, it was a great day, that. Liam, any for you that uh, that you didn't expect to be uh, be good fun, but then suddenly you had a whale of a time on the final day. <laughs> uh, two stand stand out in my mind. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, it, it was expected on Sundays to be a good day out, but um, the often memed eight uh, one against Middlesbrough. I think anyone <laughs> that was there that day um, will tell you that the atmosphere was rocking. Um, Got to make your own fun sometimes, don't well. you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, for me, that's like probably like the last proper typical city day in a way. It's oh. um, because With knobs on, you know, the yeah, the <laughs> going there. I mean, I I was living in Sheffield at university at the time, and um, it was the weather was like how it's been this week. You know, really hot, really sunny. You know, I was wearing a pair of shorts and uh, a t shirt. Got to Middlesbrough and it was like you'd gone to February, not uh, to, to the sort of east of the country, and it was freezing. Um, everyone was like, you know, dressed in sp- summer stuff, and oh god, it was horrible. The weather was shocking. Um, the you know, the, everyone was with, with um, had like sort of Sweden flags because of Sven, um, and uh, we got hammered. And the one thing that people bothered about was because we wanted to get into the the, the fair play league you, you know uh, the wave cup via the fair play league, i should say and dunn got sent off within about 10 minutes didn't he so that was that was great um, i mean it, it kicked off a bit at the end at the front um which wasn't so good but apart from that it was a it was a good day and then the only other one um where this is me really burning it up here um when city played west ham away last game of the season in 2010 yeah, yeah. Um, that same day, we drew one all, and I don't remember virtually anything about the game. Right, Phillips scored for us. Uh, a header, right, a header, header no less. Us, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I was down there. I got like the first train in the morning with two of my mates who supported Chelsea, and that day they beat Wigan at home. I think eight nil or, or something like that to win the title, and it was sort of United had just won it three times in a row in between seven two thousand seven two thousand nine. And then Chelsea won won it that day. So, and this is before City and Chelsea were like we're not we're not really rivals now. We don't really see them in the same way we look at United and Liverpool. But um, so I got the train from Upton Park over to Sanford Bridge and had a great night celebrating them winning the title. <laughs> basically, so that was uh, that was good. And I was I was wearing my City shirt there as well. Well, the uh, that season's third shirt, the one the white with the red and black sash. Yeah. And there was a lot of, a lot of them saying like. What are you doing here, mate? I was like, well, I'm, I'm celebrating you like winning the title, but 
didn't think two years later that it'd be us winning it. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a good way to see how people celebrated things. Excellent. I'd just like to chuck in uh, unexpectedly fun. Uh, we beat Everton five one on the final day of the first season at um, at Eastlands, and nobody yeah. saw it coming. It would been it had not been a great season. Um, we just I think we just survived either the week before or the or the fortnight before by beating Newcastle, um, and. Yeah. It, like out of nowhere, we turn up on the final day and and stick five past Everton, a team that we generally didn't beat either. So it was uh, it, it was uh, real. I good remember fun. one chop and then Elko were brilliant that day. Yeah, yeah, yes. absolute great fun. But uh, but well, that's it for this week's Blue Moon podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you also to my guests for this one, Liam Wright. Thank you very much, and Alan Phoenix Bates. Oh, thank you. Don't forget, there's a bonus show every Monday for Patreon backers, and there's a short clip of this week's coming up shortly. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. I worked in a I worked in a restaurant at the time that, yeah. that kind of was linked to a pub next door, the same pub that I watched most of the games in this season. And uh, I don't know if you remember me talking about Eugene Valentine, the barman. Yeah. Um, I talked about him in the show before, the best barman in County Down. Um, but it was like a dead old fella's bar and they just used to love the, watching the horse race and like, and I was here and word on my phone that it was 3-0 after six minutes. So I went in to look at the screen in the pub and horse racing was still on. Um, so I went over to Eugene and was like, Eugene, fucking hell, man. Um, sit here winning 3-0 and the horse racing still on. Could you not get it flicked over? Like, and he goes, fuck off. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> he did like with, with the thumb as well. You know, like I kind of like get back to work into your restaurant kind yeah, of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just was absolutely like, clear out. Don't tell me how to run my bar. Yeah. So I was absolutely buzzing about this three 0 I couldn't wait to r- run in and see City on the screen. And uh, it's instead, just yeah. Like, yeah, lost myself a bit and talking to him that way. You know, like, get the football on, and he told me where to go. Like. <laughs> <laughs> You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>